My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. It was Boxing Day in downtown Toronto, even during a pandemic wave. That is a sure recipe for pedestrians crowding the sidewalks. And really, something like this was bound to happen. I mean, statistically, something like this happens every week or so in this city. It's just not usually this bad and this blatant. Hamilton teenager critically injured in a Boxing Day collision in Toronto died of his injuries on Saturday. Key McKenzie was standing on a street corner with his brother and father when they were all hit by a vehicle that launched onto the sidewalk. In a city that took pedestrian and cyclist safety seriously, this would be such an aberration that it would be a massive story, a rare and tragic event that never had to happen. But this is Toronto, so the tragedy was one of dozens from last year. An 18-year-old cyclist was struck and killed here near Avenue Road and Bloor last night. A commercial truck behind me uh, was traveling, I believe to be south on Victoria Street, and uh, fatally killed an adult woman. A shoe and a cell phone left on the road here on Young Street, just north of Lawrence, where a young man and woman were struck by a vehicle overnight. To the streets now, where two people are dead after being struck by vehicles in two separate incidents tonight in the GTA. Toronto calls itself a Vision Zero City which is a framework that cities around the world have adopted to eliminate injury and death on their streets. We have been working on Vision Zero for years in Toronto. It's just not working. Why is that? What have other cities done that Toronto hasn't? How does the way this city was built make its streets so dangerous? And is this a massive challenge almost impossible to solve? Or is it a planning issue that we've just never planned for? or paid for. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Ben Spur is the transportation reporter at the Toronto Star. Hi, Ben. Hi there. Can you start by describing what happened in downtown Toronto on Boxing Day? Yeah, so um, on Boxing Day, um, at around 2 p.m. in the afternoon, according to police, uh, a driver who was in the middle lane of, of Richmond Street, it turned into a driver who was in the left-hand lane and causing that second car to to roll over and strike uh, seven pedestrians who were standing on the sidewalk. One of those pedestrians, an uh, 18-year-old man named Keen McKenzie, uh, was killed in the crash. Um, and just really, uh, it was a horrible collision, a, a deadly crash, of course, but also just uh, uh, so many pedestrians being injured in uh, in one crash like this was just, uh, I think, a really alarming incident. Tell me about the reaction to it as well. What did the police say when they discussed it and, and why were people so angry? 
Yeah, so a police spokesperson was, was talking to media after the collision, and he said that pedestrians need to, quote, keep their eyes open. And this really infuriated a lot of advocates, uh, road safety advocates, I think, and, and, and others, really, because it seemed, I think, to, to many people that the underlying message seems to be that, you know, these things happen. It's up to potential victims to kind of look out for themselves and kind of place in responsibility for, you know, their injuries on on these people who were hit and, and one of whom uh, ended up dying. And, and I think that's the kind of messaging around uh, traffic collisions that, that I think a lot of people are increasingly finding unacceptable because I, I think there's this shift going on right now in terms of road safety to taking on this recognition that, you know, we, we as a society need to be doing more to prevent these tragedies. We can't just put the responsibility on, on uh, people who, who could end up getting hurt. Is that kind of messaging, I know obviously that that way of phrasing it was insensitive, but is is that sort of messaging, the like it's on the pedestrian to protect themselves, is that unique to this police spokesperson in this case, or is that sort of something we've seen a lot of in this city? Yeah, I think that's something we've seen a lot of in this city. Um, the, the police, I think, come uh, under particular scrutiny because, of course, they they talk about these incidents all the time. So, so there have been incidences in the past where uh, police have used kind of similar language about this. Um, but it, but it's not just, I think, the, the police. I think you'll often see media reports that kind of have strange wording around traffic collisions and traffic deaths that like ascribe a lot of agency to, to inanimate vehicles, for instance. So mm-hmm. you'll, you'll see police uh, reports that are and, you know, repeated in, in the media that a car hit somebody and then the car fled the scene, for instance. But of course, as we know, you know, it's not the car doing that. Right. It's the driver behind the wheel of the car. Yeah. And, and, you know, that may seem like kind of a small or maybe petty thing to, to point out. But um, I think it is part of this wider shift that I think road safety advocates are, are urging us to kind of take on to recognize that, you know, these aren't just kind of the things that happen on our streets. These aren't kind of inanimate vehicles going around uh, hurting people. And this is just something that we all have to to live with, there are ways to to prevent these kind of things from happening and that we should be doing more as a kind of society to, to, uh, to tackle the issue. You probably don't know this. One of the very first episodes of this podcast we ever did was about a cyclist and pedestrian getting hit and killed on a Toronto street. And that would have been, I'm thinking back now, June of 2018. It was, it was a huge problem then. Mm-hmm. Um, can you offer some context in terms of like how bad a year was 2021 for pedestrians compared to to previous years? Um, what's the trajectory been? So, um, of course, the last two years uh, have been affected by the the pandemic for at least periods during during the past few years. There have been far fewer drivers out there on the road and, and far fewer, I think, road users of, of all kinds, pedestrians um, as well. Right. So last year was better than previous years in, in the sense that only, you know, if you can use that word, only 30 pedestrians died in Toronto last year uh, and 64 road users total um, died. So that would include drivers and passengers and motorcyclists and, and that kind of thing as well. And the previous year was even lower. 23 pedestrians died in 2020. And that was compared to pre-pandemic years of uh, 42 pedestrians dying in 2019 and, and 2018 as well. I think it's it's still you know quite clear that if, if thirty people thirty pedestrians are dying on the roads uh, in a year when uh, there are far fewer drivers out there, I think it just uh, goes to show how much work needs to be done to um, you know really reduce these numbers and and stop uh, these deaths. Well, let's talk first about what the city itself has been doing uh, over the past several years. They've been working on something called Vision Zero. Can you? 
kind of give some context and explain uh, what that's trying to achieve and and how it's going, I guess? Yeah, so Vision Zero um, is really kind of a philosophy as much as anything else, um, as well as some you know practical measures that are put in place. But the, the idea of Vision Zero it was a program that was adopted in the 1990s in uh, Sweden. And the goal, as the, as the term suggests, is um, zero deaths, zero serious uh, traffic injuries. And so, you know, this is part of that shift uh, that I was talking about earlier, that, that just the idea is not to, to treat these traffic deaths as inevitable or as, you know, trade-offs that we should accept as part of living in a, in a modern city. These are preventable and, and the onus shouldn't just be on uh, road users to prevent them, but it, it should also be on society as a whole. And that means people who design the roads, uh, politicians who are in charge of policies that, that affect road use. From that philosophy is kind of derived a whole suite of, of tools that, that are used to to tackle this problem. So those could be things like actual physical changes to the roads. Mm. A lot of roads were, were built decades ago um, and they're designed to get cars uh, from A to B as fast as possible and, and don't really account for um, other more vulnerable road users. So right. um, a big part of Vision Zero is redesigning those roads to account for, for the safety of people who aren't in cars. Um, but then, of course, there's also things like education programs um, and enforcement is a big one as well. In terms of those physical changes... What actual practical things are we talking about here? Is this like speed bumps, corners? What are we looking at? Um, yeah, I think uh, those are some that uh, would contribute. You know, I think speed bumps and things like that are, are often on uh, kind of lower speed roads. Uh, and we know that, um, you know, the most serious collisions, of course, happen on uh, wide arterial roads where right. cars are going uh, much faster. So um, there's a whole bunch of things that can be done to reduce um, speeds. And that, that can be things like narrowing lanes, for instance. If, if drivers are, are, are traveling in narrower lanes, there's less of a chance that they'll feel comfortable kind of uh, speeding up into just simple things like even, you know, adding sidewalks where there may not be sidewalks. Intersection reconfigurations can mm-hmm. be really important as well. Um, you know, in Toronto, especially out in the suburbs outside of the core, you'll, you'll often see intersections that have uh, cutaways basically in the uh, for turning so instead of uh, waiting for uh, the light with the rest of the cars you know a right-hand turning driver can uh, go in this little channel um, right. uh, and, and things like that experts will tell you encourage conflicts with pedestrians and and you know encourage people to the drivers to, to not slow down right to just keep going as fast as they can and make that slight turn so eliminating things like that can have a noticeable impact on safety we can talk about enforcement in a minute, but just to continue with this stuff, because it sounds like, you know, these are the on the ground things um, that need to be done. Mm-hmm. How far is the gap between committing in word and spirit, I guess, to Vision Zero and, and how much has been done in Toronto in terms of actually throwing money at it and, and putting the foot on the gas pedal to, I guess, use the exact wrong metaphor for this? <laughs> right. The real criticism, I think, of, of um, the city's road safety efforts um, in the last few years is just the kind of half-measured ap- approach to it. And, and that was right from the start. You know, I think um, the city introduced this uh, Vision Zero plan in, uh, in 2016. And as I've said, you know, the, the idea of Vision Zero was to el- eliminate traffic deaths, right? But um, the original plan was not to completely eliminate deaths, but only to reduce deaths and serious injuries by 20% uh, o- over 10 years. And so right from the get-go, you had a lot of road safety advocates saying, 
you know, that can't be the goal. We need to be more ambitious than that. That's vision 80%. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and uh, you know, the, the city's argument, I think, was that we need to have realistic and measurable targets. Um, but a lot of safety advocates kind of pointed out you wouldn't take that approach with other things. You wouldn't say that, you know, we're, we're going to aim to only have a few fewer uh, shootings next year in the city. You, you want to, this is something that is unacceptable. We need to stop them completely. So off to a rocky start. And then uh, the original plan that the city introduced was only about um, 68 million dollars um, in spending over about five years and uh, it was clear um, after the first couple of years that uh, deadly collisions were not declining and um, the city council kind of doubled down um, and introduced a, a kind of 2.0 version of the road safety plan uh, which still has you know more money 123 million dollars being spent over five years but you know that's a, a very small percentage of, of the city's budget and uh, you know I think it remains to be seen whether it will not it will actually uh, deliver results. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. I think a lot of people who have lived in Toronto for a while, especially people who have covered or paid attention to municipal politics in Toronto for a while, uh, are kind of familiar with a, a pretty stark kind of suburban-urban divide. And I'm wondering what you see there in terms of how how that divide plays into the efforts uh, to really get serious about this stuff. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, there's there's obviously a, a physical divide in the sense that the, the, the physical design of our roads uh, in the suburbs is is much uh, different than the downtown core. It's kind of interesting when you look at maps of, of pedestrian fatalities in Toronto, a lot do actually happen in the downtown because there are just more people downtown, so it's, it's more likely that someone could get hit there. And then uh, in the kind of outer suburbs on the, closer to the borders of the city in, uh, you know, Scarborough in Etobicoke, um, Scarborough in particular, actually, there are lots of, uh, you know, wide, busy streets where, where uh, mm-hmm. drivers can get up to some pretty high speeds. We know that speeds are often the determinative factor in uh, whether a collision is, is deadly. And so it's out in those kind of wide, uh, busy areas that, uh, that you also see a lot of pedestrians being killed. And so there is a, a challenge there, I guess, in, in actually addressing that that kind of uh, build form out in those places where it, it's not an easy fix. Uh, uh, you know, the, making those roads safer would require, you know, extensive redesigns. I saw at city council over the past week, there was a discussion about adding, you know, another few dozen speed cameras. And that, even that, which is something that to me seems like a tiny drop in a really big bucket, was pretty contentious. And, you know, is there any broad agreement uh, at City Hall uh, that this is an issue we need to tackle? Yeah, I think, to be fair, I think that there is much broader agreement than than we might have expected even a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, you know, Mayor John Tory has uh, introduced uh, and, and kind of championed this road safety plan. His allies on council have voted for it. Uh, the, these uh, votes to approve the kind of overall road safety plan have not been close at, at council. There's pretty wide agreement that this is a problem that we need to tackle. And I, and I think that is indicative of a, of a shift, right? I mean, the, the previous mayor, Rob Ford, was elected on a, on a platform that really focused on the grievance of, of drivers mm-hmm. and the idea that, uh, you know, a couple of years later, we'd be 
even just deploying, you know, things like automatic speed cameras, I think might have been much more controversial than they have been in the past. Uh, as you point out, we don't have that many of them, but they are out there giving out, you know, thousands and thousands of tickets every month. And uh, there hasn't been a, lo- a lot of controversy around that. I, I think there is a sense of, of people being, you know, fed up of, of the number of deaths on the streets. You know, it's a very local issue right. in every ward, I think, across the city. If you just look at the local community council agendas um, every month, you'll see uh, tons of, of requests for lower speeds, for speed bumps, for that kind of thing. So so councillors, I think, everywhere do kind of respond to it. There, there are... Um, differences over specific issues for sure. And then there are some counselors that are more enthusiastic about, about this than others. But I think a lot of them are kind of cognizant of concerns that that their residents um, have and have been responding. So I, I take your point. I think that there are some people who are still kind of hesitant about some of these measures, but um, the kind of idea that this is a major problem that city council needs to take on um, seems to be um, kind of w- well accepted at this point. I also want to ask you about enforcement as kind of the last prong of this plan. Um, whether or not I agree with it, I at least understand uh, when we talk about the millions of dollars required uh, to make our roads safer on the ground, you know, y- you can debate whether or not that money should be spent, but getting tougher on enforcement uh, in a city that frankly has a reputation for not great enforcement of uh, bad driving seems like the easiest and cheapest way to do that. Um, have we been getting serious on this? What would it take? Uh, are the police resources too limited? Basically, what happened is about uh, 10 years ago in, in 2013, the police disbanded their their targeted traffic enforcement team. Hmm. You know, they said that they had resource constraints and, and that kind of thing. So they we were operating, you know, this massive city. Um, was operating without a, a dedicated police traffic enforcement team. And, and uh, you saw the effects of that. Um, you know, the number of annual tickets given out uh, dropped from a peak of about 700,000 a year to only about 200,000 by 2018. Wow. You can look at graphs and see a correlation between the level of enforcement and the number of collisions. Um, crashes started to rise uh, after the unit was disbanded. Um, and, and I think this was something that was kind of done quietly that the public didn't have a lot of knowledge about. And, and it, uh, I think, shocked people when they realized that, uh, you know, people had been driving around out there without really anyone paying close attention to how safely they were driving. And um, enforcement um, is actually pretty expensive. Police uh, earn uh, high salaries, the manpower or, or human power, I should say, to uh, to kind of get people out there on the streets enforcing this is, is not cheap. I think a lot of people would say that it's uh, certainly uh, worth it, however. But uh, the upshot of all this is that the police have now reconstituted a dedicated traffic unit. But, um, you know, that lack of enforcement for so long has, has really, I think, angered a lot of people who are watching this issue. The last thing I want to ask you is just... In terms of how we view our city, you know, you've spoken to a lot of of momentum uh, gathering on this topic, which is which is great because obviously there's a huge problem. But given the breadth of everything discussed, I feel like this is a conversation that goes beyond how to fix our roads and gets into a broader debate over what we expect out of a city as pedestrians, as drivers, etc. And and is Toronto having that conversation? Are we ready for it? Yeah, I, you know, it does feel to me that we are having that conversation. I, I, as I think, um, you know, I think a lot of road safety advocates would say that we just have not done 
enough. You know, there's no one magic bullet to solving this problem, but but it is really clear like what does work. Like for instance, you know, lowering speeds on, on the roads is, is a huge issue. You know, if if someone gets hit uh, by a car at, uh, at 60 kilometers an hour, they have a 95% likelihood of dying, and that's reduced to 30% at 40 kilometers an hour. So we, we know that how to make the roads safer. And, and to the city's credit, there have been widespread speed reductions ac- across the city. But but that kind of major missing point, I think, is actually the the kind of redesign of our roads, and that's not easy. You know, we have all these roads, um, especially outside the downtown core, that are that are wide, that are fast, that are dangerous. It, it, how do you kind of quickly change those to make them safer? It, it's difficult. It does take a lot of investment. It's going to take a lot more money um, than the city has currently allocated to that. Um, so I think uh, critics of the road safety plan to date would say that you know it is a lot of talk, and without that kind of major piece of actually physically redesigning our roads to make them safer, that we're going to continue to see these um, uh, deaths happening on our streets. And and that's a conversation that we're not really talking about yet, you know, spending hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars a year to, to reconfigure um, roadways. Um, you know, that that that's, uh, doesn't seem like anyone has the appetite to do that, um, even though there's lots of evidence that um, it would actually um, make our city safer. And in the meantime, pedestrians get to uh, keep their eyes on the road. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. Ben Spur of the Toronto Star. That was The Big Story. For more from us, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. It will no doubt shock you to learn that one of our very first episodes was about pedestrian and cyclist death on Toronto streets. We're almost four years old as a podcast. It's not exactly a fresh issue, but it's still deadly. You can find all those episodes on the website. We will also tweet out some of our earlier episodes on this issue at TheBigStoryFPN on Twitter. And you can email us, TheBigStoryPodcast, all one word, at rci.rogers.com and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now.